Welcome to Should I Get Bangs. I'm your host, Julia Razi. And the guest today, I, I asked him what he wanted to give for credits. He said to just say he's Italian, which I really appreciated that being his biggest credit. Please welcome the wonderful... Matteo Lame. <laughs> I'm also Mexican and Irish, but I I feel more uh, culturally Italian because I speak it and I know my family there. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I, I guess we should start with the fact that I'm obviously Italian as well, and it is so embarrassing at times when I talk to you because your Italian is perfect, perfecto, uh, and mine. You describe. I'll let you describe how you describe the difference in how we talk Italian. Well, I like. Well, first of all, so my Italian. Okay, <laughs> I love your Italian because I love dialects. I love hearing accents. I like hearing. Clearly, you're from Southern Italy. And my grandma and grandpa are also from Southern Italy. And so I recognize some dialect, but Mm -hmm. everyone's dialect is different. So like I learned proper, like the standard, let's say in quotations, Italian. So it would be the equivalent of me being like speaking English would be like, hello, uh, therefore I feel. And she would be like, I'll tell you what I got down here. Yeah, exactly. I use that all the time when I tell people how I speak. I get so like stage fright to speak Italian. It's I, get, you, it, I understand that a thousand percent. It's, it's, you know, if I'm with family, whatever, I can speak, I can mess up, I can use English words, yeah. whatever. When you're with Italians, you so badly want to impress them that mm-hmm. you start overthinking everything you're saying. And you start to like, is it chistato? Is it ero? Is it parlavamo? Is it o parlato? Is it yeah. like, all these weird things. I feel like I'm cheating with my mom because like my mom and I text now and I use translation app and my mom is like, wow, you've gotten so good at Italian. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm using an app. She's like, wow, I don't know who app is, but they're really teaching you Italian. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you do what you can and you're leaving for Italy in like five minutes. I'm literally leaving in an hour. I have to schedule my Uber to pick me up because they have this thing. Now when you leave the United States, I can't just check in on my phone anymore. I have to go wait in line and a person has to physically see my passport and, and my, my um, vaccine. vaccine. Yeah. In order to be like, okay, okay, come. So it's like, I have to get there three hours early. Oh, damn. And are you going just, are you going to see family or? You know, I am going for a multitude of reasons. Um, There may be a boy or two involved. Oh, two? A boy uh, or two? Just just one. (laughs) Okay. 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 Just one. So someone you met when you were in Italy prior? No, he, this is something that is sort of a continuation. It's an on and off relationship that I have. Okay. I you have such a goofy grin right now. Yeah, because I'm trying to word this perfectly without <laughs> without giving too much away. He had asked me not to talk about him. So, you know, basically let's just say I'm seeing my ex. Okay. Great. <laughs> There's uh no one can see your face, but I can. And I feel like you just told a very long story with your expression. E perché c'è un'istoria? 
c'è, c'è una storia da noi, hai capito? E per me, che <ride> ritornare in Italia, perché lui vive in Spagna, a vederlo porta un po' di uh, luggage. Baggage, we'll say. Okay, yeah. all right, he's coming from Spain with some baggage. All right, I got it. I can I can understand more than I can speak. Um well, so you I know that you're we'll get right into it cuz you got to you literally got to hop on a plane. But I know, but also let me just say this, I miss you and I love you and I'm so happy that you're literally <laughs> thriving with a beautiful family and a wonderful husband <laughs> and from knowing you when I moved to New York to now to see the evolution of you and to see the, your <sighs> family's evolution and acceptance in your life and who you are, not just your job, but your husband. And it's really wonderful to watch. And I'm so proud of you and I love you. Oh my God, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) I just feel bad that we don't get a chance to talk as much as we usually do. Because usually the way comics work is when you see each other, we're backstage at Gotham or wherever else. And we're just, you get to chit, you get to catch up at night. And then when people move it, you know, life becomes hard. We'll make, we'll make a post date, a post, an, an off pod date also Catch we're up. Be in new york in a few weeks so i'll i'll Perfect. oh you okay yeah we'll, we'll make it happen but i i appreciate you saying that because i gotta say like one of the biggest realizations i've had pandemic and child having wise is like what really matters and i think a lot of people have had that during the pandemic and it's like i don't know i actually feel more i feel more excited about my career than ever because I don't give a fuck about bullshit. All I care about is like that my family, my my extended family, of course, but my new created family is happy and proud of me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I never thought I'd think that way. Well, you know, sometimes you just need a global pandemic to yeah. shift your perspective. <laughs> You just need to spend 24-7 with these people and be like, I think I love you. <laughs> right, right, right. You just need to you also need to realize how non-essential you are as a comedian to oh be like, God. got it. Okay, so none of this matters. Work. The, you know the I might have said this on the podcast before, so I apologize to anyone listening who's like, God, Julia, get some new ideas. But oh, they can grow up. I no one and no one's thinking that. Um I the thing I realized about comedy that like really opened my eyes is that it's service work depending on where you're performing like if you're performing at like a really great venue or a show where they're coming to see you specifically Mm -hmm. fantastic Mm -hmm. when you're like sent to a casino in the midwest because they need a woman on a saturday that is like the equivalent of being a waitress i mean i say that with tongue in cheek but there is a you know during the pandemic obviously if you weren't an essential worker or you weren't hospitalized people leaned towards all forms of entertainment yes. because entertainment, the way it's been done throughout history, whether it's around a campfire in a cave, whether it's in ancient Greece, whether it's in vaudeville or whether it's Netflix, it's an escape. It says oh, it's yeah. something that people put their minds together to create something, not just for themselves as a performer, but also to help you escape. So all those memes about the tiger King and, People watching the British Bake Off and, you know, people playing video games. It It's worth something. It's yeah. worth it to say this is something, you know, I, it sounds so cheesy, but during the pandemic, I became addicted to video games because it was a way for me to communicate with my friends because we couldn't see each other. Video, I mean, video games saved my life. The dumb, stupid, free game for a 12-year-old called Fortnite 
saved my life. <laughs> I love it. It's humiliating. It's not humiliating. It's, it's, you know, that's sort of, I mean, listen, you know, our technology was first supposedly intended to create connection. It's just like all things, you know, destroyed. Uh, but, you know, if we it might be a little too connected at this point. Yeah. But if it wasn't for technology oh. during the pandemic and like FaceTime and social media and texting and all those things and Zoom and, you know, I mean, it would have been more isolating than it already was. So, you know, um, but you, well, I guess this fits with your trip because um, you're going to see a, a, a man. A man. Um, with that's, I know that's what you wanted to talk about. And I also think it's really interesting to talk about, you know, what are your parents, your parents are not immigrants. It's your grandparents. But you were raised very culturally. I'm actually, yeah, my grandfather is Mexican. My grandmother's Italian. Okay. My dad's family are Irish in quotations, not the sense of like, oh, tatar. Like they're not, yeah. there's no connection to the, uh-huh. their heritage. They would be what I call Americana, like very white, you know, man does this, woman does this, we fish, we mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> Sunday, like very, like what you'd expect from a 1950s sort of ideal um, family. My mother's family, the opposite, traumatic, you know, cheating. Uh, my grandpa from my my Mexican grandpa, you know, God love him. They made up, but he had five kids with my grandma and five kids with another woman and named them all <gasps> the same names to not confuse them. Is that true? Yes. So there's two Cindy's, two Joaquin's, two Lisa's, two. Yes. And my what? mother didn't meet her other brothers and sisters until his funeral, where the siblings with the same names came up and introduced themselves. Did she know about them before the funeral? She knew about them because my grandma, my mother was, I think, in high school, like freshman in high school when my grandma found out and divorced him. And so that at that moment, they stopped talking to all their Mexican family, all their Mexican cousins, everything. And my grandma, you know, I understand her pain, but it's the 1950s or 60s. So obviously the only people she went to were like priests who kept telling her to just have more kids with them. And she, my grandma remarried a Sicilian and then they had two more kids. And then my mother was culturally shifted from half Italian and Mexican to just fully Italian. So by the time oh. I was born, I was just Italian. But then I, we knew that we had Mexican family. And then my grandpa, who's Mexican, they later in life found him and they met up with him and, and forgave him and brought each other back into their lives. But my grandma wasn't happy about it. But then he started sending me gifts and I met him and everything. So it was like before he died, it was like a glimpse of, another life that was sort of stopped for my mother and myself but oh so lots of um trauma (laughs) but also hysterical the the same name thing is insane i know and then my grandma some this is the most italian bullshit i've ever heard so my uncle jack's real name is joaquin maldonado jr which is like the most mexican name you could think of somehow when she married my grandpa, the Sicilian, she had his birth certificate changed to from Jack Joaquin Maldonado to Jack. And it's like, but how do you change a birth certificate? And no one knows how she did it. And the thing is, is like... She, she slipped him like a couple hundred dollars cash. I mean, something goes on. Yeah. I don't know. But I when, when I asked... The thing is, my grandma won't talk about it because she doesn't want to hurt my grandpa's feelings because he doesn't like hearing that my grandma was hurt. But when my yeah. grandma gets alone, she'll talk about it. So I've been very active. Cause I, you know, I'm Italian. We talk to our grandparents 
all the time. So I've been very, I've been pushing her to talk about him and what that was like one-on-one with me when my grandpa's not around, because I think it's important that I also get her perspective and her pain and also connect with my Mexican heritage. And, you know, it's, it's weird. And it's strange because too, like when you're, my mother's multiracial and so are her brothers and sisters. My mother looks Italian. My aunt Cindy looks fully Mexican and my grandma won't even talk about it. It's like everywhere we go with my aunt Cindy, they're always speaking Spanish to her. She looks 100% Mexican. Wow. And she's always like, I don't speak Spanish, even though I look like I do. And every time Mexicans like, you do, you do. <laughs> you speak Spanish. But also what an interesting combination of like, you know, so half half raised with this strong I, Italian culture and then the other half raised with very American, which is, I don't know. I, I would imagine what was interesting for me is like I was raised by two Italians and they were into the American culture when it helped like assimilate, mm-hmm. you know, but they also would call people American as an insult. Like if we went to a party. They call them Amerigan. Yeah, Amerigan. Like if there wasn't enough food. Like, ah, oh, <laughs> If they brought a you know? present to the wedding, not cash. Like what a Amerigan. Oh, what the hell is wrong with you? Are you kidding me? And I could I'm never. Where's the envelope full of just cold, hard cash? Tell me about it. I could never. The embarrassment. Things that. All right. Real quick before we get into this, things that piss off Italians. <laughs> Number one, don't cut your pasta. I went to, <laughs> I go to this pizzeria where they have really good pasta, Napolitano, their vera pizza Napolitano. And my cousin and I went and they have un spaghetti al pomodoro, which essentially is pasta with tomatoes, but it's a long spaghetti. It's beautiful. And the woman next to us got it and it took a knife and sliced her spaghetti in half. I almost threw her table over. <laughs> Gosh, I've never had that experience of being that mad about it, but Ugh. I understand. Ugh. The disrespect. The not enough food and the not giving, well, not only not giving cash, but you have to give a present of equal value. Of course. Well, you have to be the you have to be the best. We well, gave the best this. So for my family, I don't know if it's best. It's it's literally equal exchange. Like my mom has written da- down what everyone has given for every occasion. And then it's like, they gave $200 for your sister's right. wedding. We're giving $200 for their kid's, That's kids right. wedding. Which means that no one's making or losing money. No, it's all very even. Right. And the reason there's so many, you're not making or losing money is because I don't know what your life's like, but in an Italian life, there's yeah. a baptism, communion, yep. confirmation, wedding, and graduation and birthday every year. Yeah. So that's just the way it works. So there's just a constant exchange of money. So they tax people have got to be like, what is this back and forth like? <laughs> And then gold. Then I have all this like gold jewelry from those like, like thick gold chains I got for like my communion. Like who was? And I remember as a kid, my mom like when it was someone's birthday, like an American's birthday. Right. I'd be like, oh, I you know I'm gonna go buy them like a game or a puzzle. And she's like, well, what did they give you? And I'm like, I'm eight. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't even know if I invited them to my party. I do believe in bringing something to if you're invited to someone's house, bring something. Ab. I believe in that. And and I believe in take off your shoes and you get in a home. And I believe in um, you just have to bring something. It's weird if people walk in a house and they they have absolutely nothing in their hand. I'm like, okay. 
I last minute went to a friend's house for 4th of July and my husband was out of town. And so I just had the baby and I didn't have a chance to stop at a store. So I just grabbed a container of hummus Mm -hmm. that was in my fridge and a box of chocolates. And I was like, this is all I had. And she's like, this is perfect. I have pita. Like, and I was like, great, but it was better than (laughs) nothing. nothing. Yeah. Forget about it. Okay, I'm sorry. We could go on and be about being Italian for years. <laughs> I know we had something else to talk about. You're gay. Shocking. <laughs> That's what we're going to talk about. Uh-huh. Which, well, isn't your sister also gay? No, but she looks, she used to look more queer friendly, we'll say. We just shaved oh, head. Oh, sorry. Okay. Muscle, but my brother is gay. Your brother. I knew somebody else. So did one of you come out first? My brother. He's older. He came out when he was young. He came out, I would say, when he was 14 or something like that. Wow. I and I was 18. Okay. I went to and, art school. Yeah. And did that... Well, you you tell your story, and then I have a bunch of questions. Well, well sure. And here's the thing is, like, the coming out story is sort of old hat, even though it's not. It's and, not. And, and also there's this part of me too, where I'm even talking about this in my standup right now, where I'm trying to sell an hour and the feedback you get when you try and sell an hour, if you're queer is what's their arc, what's their story. We want, we don't want just jokes. We want to hear. And part of me is wants to rebel against that because why must queer people constantly relive their trauma to create yeah. art? Uh, this is just my experience. I'm not taking this away from anybody else. I'm speaking on my own experience. So if you don't agree with it, shocking, you're not me. So, you know, it's like, for me, how do we transcend that, right? So we have lots of queer comics, lots of gay men comics, but not really a gay man who's done a comedy special in a standard, in a traditional way. <clears throat> Plenty of uh, cis, you know, like women, right? Fortune Keemster, Ellen DeGeneres, Tig Notaro, Wanda Sykes, Rosie O'Donnell, Judy Gold, Cameron Esposito, you know, the list kind of goes on. Um, But it's less, um, you'll be hard pressed to find a household name of a gay cis male comedian with an hour of traditional stand-up special. That is absolutely true, because I was just trying to think. I mean, sold. I'll buy it. Not so easy. (laughs) Um, so that's where I sort of get hung up on like reliving yeah. my trauma. But then I also think about it. And it's like, well, I, it's so weird because everything's moved so quickly um, in terms of how we discuss queerness and homosexuality. Like from 15 years ago to now, it's th- such a huge shift. I mean, when I was 18, I could come out to my family and I could come out at school because I went to art school. But every politician agreed that there should not be gay marriage. Every religious figure told you being gay was a sin. And the only way we saw ourselves on TV was at that point, Will and Grace had come out um, Mm -hmm. and Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. And then everything else was sort of gay people being played by straight people for straight people or queer narratives for straight people. Like, you know, important to get the word out there, but it was still like a voice on the fringe so there wasn't like a, there wasn't YouTube or Instagram or pot, you know, like I couldn't go anywhere to hear about who I was. You know, it was like a lot of baby steps and self-discovery. And now it's like shifted so quickly to something that's like 
Chase Bank is like, fags. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just so. Oh my God. Target's pride section. I know. And we, look, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, <laughs> and here's my thoughts on it, which I'm sure every Gen Z person hates, but they seem to hate everything. Um, not everything's so black and white. So I don't like when companies like AT&T say, go queer, yay, queer, gay people, and then spend their money towards things that work against us. However, I could not fathom in my mind as an eight-year-old seeing a bank tell me I was okay or a Target or a Starbucks or a TV commercial or a magazine or a Disney movie or anything. No parent, no family relative, no friend. No, I am a child of the eighties. So here's what I knew when I was a young kid. If you were gay, you died of AIDS. Yeah. Same. That's it. That was it. I, you know, and just to clarify, I just want to let everyone know, I am not making Mateo talk about his coming out story. I did not ask him to really. No, I mean, am I being too heavy already? I can continue no. chicken and talk about Oh my about God. Why. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. This podcast always, that's the whole point. I, it's, I, I love talking about this stuff. I'm just saying, cause you're like, I don't want to over talk about it, but I just wanted to clarify. No, I, I don't, I don't want you to give you an impression that you're making me talk. I am. <laughs> This is the battle, though. This is the internal yeah. struggle that I think a lot of different people, especially gay men in this business, who who deal with this. Where even as a comedian, I think I'm respected as a comedian, and I think that I've shown that I know how to write jokes and I work really hard. Mm-hmm. But I think there's always this either it's I'm I'm always but it, but he's gay, you know what I mean? And it's I love it's a very difficult thing to hold on to your identity and say, I'm so proud of being gay. I love being gay. And yes, I'm gay. And then at the same in the same breath, say, please don't only look at me for my sexuality. And the jokes that I write, which are based off my life experience, it's very difficult because you you are keeping that audience and your perception in mind, though I don't think you need to, but you are. And so even if I'm talking about something as simple as, let's say, the British Bake Off or whatever, how transcendent can my humor get if we're still only judging it based off the sound of my voice and my mannerisms? So, you know, it's... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. But isn't that... That is one of the, I think, frustrating things that I've always had, I guess with... I was going to say comedy, but I I guess the world in general is that... And and this is like, doesn't compare, but it's the closest thing I can think of. It's how I have felt at times when maybe I've talked too much about being a woman, when I've talked too much about being Italian, like you end up getting, oh, you're the blank comic. Mm-hmm. And then you don't want it to become hack. You don't want it to become your thing. Well, that's but then right we're also there. living, you know, you don't and want then it to become hack because you don't mind. I don't mind being the gay comic. I, I accept this. You know yeah. what I mean? But I'm I that that like you said, there it's almost like a tipping point yeah. where it's like are, I worry for myself because I find my I am intrinsically an artist. I do not want to become hack. But I think if you're being listen, and and again, this this is not the same thing as as being gay. But like I with my when I first started, most of my jokes like you know 15 years ago were like. Hey, who goes to the Olive Garden? And I was getting booked on shows called like Night of a Thousand Guidos. Like literally, it was. I, I kind like, of would love to go there. Yeah, like I was inserted. I was very, and I, you know, I milked it because I thought that's what comedy was. And then I went the opposite, and I cut it out completely because, like, one person, two people 
said to me, one person said me was a crutch and someone else was like, oh, you always do your mom's accent and like kind of made me feel like I was making fun of her, even though it's how she talks and it's, I don't know, she's a character. Um, and so I cut it out completely. And then people started to be like, hey, I miss it when you talk about your mom. Your mom's such an interesting person. And now I, I, I would like to think, I could be wrong, I kind of don't care, that I'm at a place with it where I talk about it from my point of view it's a part of my heritage. It's a part of who I am as a person. But I hope that I present it in a very personal, unique way. Even talking about being in an interracial relationship is something that I'm trying to figure out. Like, I want to talk about it because I think it's interesting how it unfolded in my life because it used to be like an absolute fucking no. And now it's like a yes, you know, and and I want to share that story, but I want to make sure my jokes aren't like, so I'm dating a black guy. Sure. You know, so I, I, I think part of it has to do with we, we've both come to a point. These are sort of growing pains. So yeah. criticism is not always wrong, nor is it something that we should reject. I mean, critiques. That's why when I went to art school, we had weekly critiques because you can't become so consumed in your own echo chamber about your art. And at some point you need someone from the outside to reflect on the things and the choices that you're making. Doesn't mean that they're always right. But the times that I've been told that things are too this or too that, I look back, they're right. Yeah. Well, I think it depends who's giving you the critique. Of course. Of you course. know, I but, think you- but that being said, I don't necessarily, I think the journey that you just described to me, which is very similar to, a lot of the journey I was taking is not necessarily a bad one. It's yeah. just, it just is reality. It's it just was very hard for me to come out as Italian. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I get it. I showed up in a, in a cheetah print fur coat and I was holding a pizza and I was like, this is my story. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I just, that was, was that shitty? Are you joking? No, it, do you, do you understand? <laughs> Do you know who my friends are? Do you know what it would take to offend me? Like, please. Matteo, I don't know how to talk anymore. I, so I, I don't, anch'io, non so di parlare. Non so. <laughs> well, when you said the thing about now, what it's like with the banks being like, yay, it is so interesting to me. And I hope I word this in the way that I want to. But like, and I feel very old in what I'm about to say, but it has been wild to watch Okay, like when I was younger and I, you know, tend to like lesbian porn and honestly, I probably maybe am bisexual, but I didn't really fall in love with a woman. So there was kind of no need for me to do you know what I, like it's just I don't know that I wanted to date one. I just liked hooking up with them and may, like but there was no reason for it to be a part of my life. But now I go online and there are like people with who are like married with families in a rainbow flag being like, just want to let you all know I'm by. And I'm like, oh, this. So this is I am I may, I don't even know what my question is or if I have a question is you're probably <laughs> slowly unpiecing the script that and the narrative that was written for you because you're a woman of a certain age and of a certain background. Yeah. And so the older you get, you're not going, you're going to discover that not everything is so scripted. In other words, you can be a bisexual cis woman who's married to a cis male and have kids and still be bisexual and still be married to a man. Yeah, but I don't even know that I would feel fully comfortable saying it because I kind of feel like I'm being like target. 
Well, you know I don't think I mean? they're donating money to, I don't think, I think what Target and businesses are doing, you know, Republicans want us to believe corporations are people. They're not. Target's not a person. You're a person. You're a person with your own life experiences. And regardless to what other people may say, I'm just like voguing for a second. You can't, people can't negate that. They can't take that away from you. If that's your experience and those are your feelings and that's the label in which you feel most comfortable identifying yourself, then that is your truth. And it's no one else's business to tell you that. You're not saying I'm this and you should be this. You're saying these are my feelings and this is how I identify. Well, no, but I think what I was getting at is what's interesting is that used to be I mean, I know I'm talking about it on a podcast. To me, that's different. <laughs> but but I'm saying it used to be something that you would kind of figure out on your own. And then, but now it's like, so then does that now go in your social media bio? Like, like the sort of, it's just what, like what you're saying, how like you never would have heard a bank say it's okay. It's, I, I just like made a joke about this yesterday, how like it's so wild to watch teens right now because they are like, you can love who you want. You can look how you want. You don't have to pick a gender. You like can be whatever size you want. Like it is, I'm like opposite of our childhood. (laughs) Oh my God. Again, child of the eighties. Like I am very, listen, I'm, I don't envy them in some ways because I do think the pressure to I don't label envy oneself children because it's hard to just be a child. Yes, but I'm saying teenagers like I envy the freedom and confidence that they're given. I don't envy the perhaps pressure to label and like pick something when you're only 14. What I would say is we are we are the perception of 14-year-olds to adults is probably the same perception that our parents had with us where a yeah. small group of people ident- like spoke for an entire I think most you know what I think most 14 year olds are going through most they're masturbating without the parents watching and just want to hang out with their friends and try weed yeah and they're like what you know, about my first kiss and I think that those who are aware of their sexuality or gender or whatever they're going through and speak about it it's just that now adults are actually listening yeah and they have a place to go to so Anything else that we hear, whether good, bad, whatever you have it, it's probably it's probably more so that kids, regardless of their gender or sexuality, are probably also like, I, 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 I'm, I'm worried about my first kiss and what should I wear to school? And I don't think it's, you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like it's not as... It's it's not every kid the way it seems like it. It's I don't think every country. child in America is saying to themselves, you know, I'm going to be this and I am that. I think I think there's a lot of kids who are and it's great, but I think there's also just a lot of kids who are like, I don't know, I guess I'll go to school. Yeah. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah, I mean or I Or maybe that's a I don't know, a foolish way to think. I don't know. I'm not 14. You're not? <laughs> I do get Botox. <laughs> Um, God, I'm just like, did I just come out on my podcast? I don't mm-hmm. even know. And then there's pansexual. I'm like, maybe I'm pansexual. Because isn't that you love or you're attracted to without, and it doesn't matter what they are? Yeah. I think everyone, I, you know, I'm I just like an every- old, I'm an old fashioned gay. Yeah. Boring. Yeah, I'm probably <laughs> more, I'm like a straight that likes to like a dabble. That's great. 
You should be you should be supporting them. I wish straight men would say that more often. Oh my god. I think we're still dealing with this real fragile masculinity where straight men can't admit anything. That's why I love when straight dudes are like, oh yeah, I love when a girl, you know, licks my ass. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm yeah. gonna buy you a muffin basket. <laughs> Good for you. I, I mean, I love it when Oh my God, what was I? Oh, I was, it was Conan's. I was watching Conan's last episode and Conan, I know it was a sketch, but Conan and Ryan, uh, not Gosling, Ryan Reynolds mm-hmm. made out in a sketch, but for like a very long time. And they seemed like they didn't give a shit. And I was like, I really hope they're enjoying this. They are. Yeah. Because someone <laughs> said, let's do this. And they said, sure. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, finally. I don't think either one of them are waiting for a paycheck in order to get that happening. I think they both. Enjoyed it. (laughs) So was it easier for you to come out because your brother came out or what was that? Because I feel like if if I like I feel like if my sister came out as gay, she's not. And if but if she did and then I did, my parents would be like, oh, you just want to be like your sister because they accused me of wanting braces because my (laughs) sister had braces. And I was like, Italians are so cheap. (laughs) Like, look at my teeth. I have fangs. Yeah, they didn't want to pay for the birth. No, no, you want to be like your sorella. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I, want- I, I would say that um, it's not easy for anyone to come out regardless of your environment. Right. Because it's an internal thing that one must accept. So that's the hardest part. I'm always right. insulted when people are like, we knew before you. I'm like, you didn't. And also, mm. I obviously took a... a um, a long time for me to admit this to you. Maybe that has some weight to it. So don't diminish or discredit my struggle because you feel like, you know what I mean? But I also understand what they're saying that like, we didn't give a shit, which I also think is fine. I'm always so back and forth on things. Um, you mean but, you live in gray area? Yes. I know that's shocking to live in a gray area. I, I know. Think, I mean, it's- I, I think it's too, uh, the only thing I'm not gray on is like, Mark Davis is Maleficent is the true Maleficent and pasta should be cooked al dente and you shouldn't use cream in carbonara. Wow. Okay. There's no, those are my non gray areas. Mine's like, don't hurt other people on purpose. No, no, I don't. That's gray. I'm joking. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm kidding. (laughs) And, um, try to not pay full price as often as possible. To say Italiano. See, yeah, clearance, 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 mm-hmm. double coupons, haggle store. Give me, get, give me the reduced price that it just went down for. My mom will drive miles, miles, all the gas, all the gas worth mm-hmm. the 20 cents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think coming out like it was the best thing that happened to me because I had so many nights of praying to be straight and self hate mm-hmm. and trying so hard to be the thing I think people wanted me to be. I never enjoyed who I was when I was younger and I didn't have any outlet to do so. So there was just so much self-inflicted wounds as a kid that I haven't quite fully recovered. Mm. And I think doing stand-up and being around comedians has made me feel more accepted and more loved than even saying that I was gay because I'm dealing with a bunch of other people who dealt with their trauma and they deal with the same way. And I think stand-up probably innately has something to do with the fact that I like to communicate and I was probably all this time trying to communicate with myself, like trying to figure out who I am Mm, and and what mm -hmm. is that. And 
whether it's speaking languages or drawing or singing or doing stand-up, it's all some form of trying to communicate. And I just am trying to enjoy who I am now, you know? And I think that people, I get so mad because I hear people say like, hey, what about this joke? This person was more womanly than I was, or this person was gayer than I was, or this or that. I'm like, yeah, you just don't know that person's life. I mean, yeah, of course it's funny to laugh at something like my friend Nick will show up in like a backless gigantic caftan and we're like Nick he's like I think I look fabulous you know but we're friends we can roast each other like that but obviously it took him a long time to get to that point where he felt comfortable to wear what he wanted to wear and I just Mm -hmm. I'm so tired of trying that and this deals with stand-up too going back to what we were talking about earlier where I'm exhausted trying to please people it's exhausting. I've yeah, tried. Yeah, won't succeed. Right. I'd like Margaret Cho said. I'm. Not, I'm. I. I failed as someone else, and I'm going to succeed as myself. Mm, and oh, love. I love, and that's sort of where I stand on and in, in in my life now. It's hard because you know, generationally speaking, some people deal with different types of trauma, and some people deal with different types of coming out and stories and life and. You know, it's we're we're validating everyone. Everyone's valid and stuff. And so, when I'm writing jokes, you're always thinking sort of outside of yourself. And well, will someone you know? But then you just have to sort of like push that all away and be like, I'm just talking about me. I'm just talking about my experience, and these are my experiences, and they're they're real. And I don't know. It. I. I what I'm trying to say is that 13 year old in my head never leaves you. Oh, I mean, I don't think. I don't think it does that. I mean, when I uh, regress emotionally, uh, mentally, it's always to teenage me to Mm -hmm. like feeling left out, feeling like a weirdo, wanting to fit in, what's wrong with me. Like it's always the what's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, I think probably the top five worst self-inflicted feelings you can put on yourself is what's wrong with you. Like they're really, if you're, I don't know if you're being yourself and yourself is, unless you're like yourself is a mass murderer, <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with you. If if there's no hurt you're <clears throat> other people intentionally, like whether it's being gay or, or being depressed or being, I don't know, whatever, whatever the thing is, it's like, the feeling like something is wrong with you will kill you. I, I, I've said this many times. Like, I, I know there's some people out there that are just shitty and evil. I understand that. But I really believe the bulk of people that are pieces of shit are dying inside with hiding who they really are, whatever that is. Or just not managing their pain. Yes. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I think, uh, I think we're all dealing with pain. And some people aren't managing it very, very well. And I think sometimes you meet people who have these huge personalities and take over a room and, you know, you feel like, oh, gosh, they're so I wish I could be like that. And then you're like, oh, they're also also masking some kind of pain. Oh, I don't know. I think I think we're all just fucked up. My my friend Pat Powers put it best. He's like, all these gays gather these fucking events and we put on these fun outfits and drink fruity cocktails. And we all act like we didn't go through some deep shit trauma growing up. We think everything's going to be fine. Well, everything's not going to be fine. I think we should just show up, put on our muumuu and wear makeup and be who we really want to be. Mama Cass. <laughs> I love a muumuu. I do too. 
Oh, I love so many. I want to get like a house coat, like my Nana's house coat, like a caftan Moomoo oh, house coat welcome moment. Welcome to my closet. I, you know, it's all, I've always worn them. And then during the pandemic, I was like, maybe I'm going to start dressing like this on stage. And then you see a picture of yourself in a Moomoo and you're like, I can't wear that on stage. Yeah. That is a laying in my yard. You know, walking or like shuffling. Hey, 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 the la nonna, like the vestito di nonna, like the la gonna di nonna. Yeah, it's a grandmother's dress. I mean, especially yeah. when I'm wearing one and chasing a fly out of the house. That's when you're like, wow, you we can see who you really are. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, get you putana, like just yelling <laughs> at a fly. Um, but yeah, it's um, so okay. So the, the whole trauma thing, are you in therapy? I was. Um, I love that I have like five minutes left and we started the therapy question. I was. <laughs> I will have to do a continuation. And I'd love for you to come on my podcast, by the way. Um, yes. I was for a while. And then I think we outgrow our therapists. And oh, so yeah. So now I'm sort of open to the idea of going to a new therapist. I think it's, um, you know, I would love, my sister's a therapist. And that's actually a great question to ask her. Because I do think you hit a point with someone. It's kind of almost like dating. It is. It's like a manager, agent, dating, friend. We outgrow friends. We outgrow people. You know, people, the therapist, you don't pay them to be forever your therapist. It's like, I got what I needed, but I'll move on and get a different perspective. I think it's smart. I also think it's a good idea to take a break sometimes. Because like, if you've had some like pretty heavy moments, big realizations, big breakthroughs, then like, I don't know, sometimes I'm a little exhausted for like months. It is exhausting. It is. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, you just need a break. That makes sense. I think it just kind of, again, more gray. You know, like Howard Stern does therapy four times a week and, you know, has what? to see his therapist. Yes, he's been going for years and it's he's made him a better person, but um, it's a little extreme. Yeah, four times a week. It's a little, it's a, it's a little much. I bet I have friends, though, who are like, well, whenever Julia calls, it does feel like a four time a week <laughs> therapy. I call my friends all the time. I think it's especially in the pandemic. Please. It's like, oh, yeah. Call while you're doing laundry. Call while you're doing dishes. Call while you're I've turned into my mother. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good phone to call when I'm doing oh, dishes. Please. best cooking. I feel like you need to go to the airport. I do. We can we can end earlier than I feel expected. bad that I did this to you but I mean there was scheduling, there was scheduling conflict so I feel really bad and I really wanted to because I'm a people pleaser I wanted to show up for you because I care about you and I'm sorry that I have to leave Mateo so. we I loved this episode I love you I'm gonna keep thinking about it. I gotta be honest with you the thing that stuck out so hard for me was saying to not even not only a gay person but to anyone yeah I like, like when you talk to someone and they're like, oh, my marriage ended, they're like, yeah, I kind of, I knew that all along. Like any of those all along things, mm -hmm. I, you're right. Like they, usually they mean well, but sometimes they're kind of like, yeah, it's idiot. incredibly degrading and disrespectful. Yeah. I, I'm, that's it's like, well, I didn't ask you if you knew all along. I'm telling you because I'm coming to the realization and I felt comfortable enough to tell you what pain I'm going through and you completely dismissed it by making it a right and wrong situation. Yeah. Also, why didn't you tell me that my boyfriend was a psycho? 
That <laughs> or also. Whatever it was. <laughs> or whatever the thing is that you saw. Why didn't you tell me that I shouldn't be eating butter every day? Whatever the thing is that you witnessed that I didn't realize yet. Um, well, is there anything you want to share with people as we end? Um, you can listen to my podcast, Inside the Closet, which I do once a week with Emma Willman. And you can follow me on Instagram where I post my jokes and my ass at Mateo Lane. And your amazing art. Oh, yes. And my art. Um, okay. Very important question before we end. See? Ask every guest. Okay. Very important question. Uh, should I get bangs? Here's the thing with bangs. Bangs, <laughs> it's like a, there's a lot of different type of bangs. I think the safest bang to go with is a Nicole Richie, not as heavy, but 2005, 2006 A-line swoop down bang yeah. mm-hmm. but you have to make sure that your hair is also at a good length because that kind of bang with too long of hair doesn't it's not the proportionally it's not fitting faces you see what i'm saying so if you get bangs i would recommend for you like this and maybe bring your hair just above the shoulder or the shoulder exactly that might have been the most thoughtful response that I have ever received. I am a faggot. <laughs> when I tell you the amount of times I've thought about bangs just on anybody. <laughs> really? Of course. I also used to be a fashion illustrator, so that kind of stuff interests me. Yeah. Now a mustache. Should I grow in my mustache like yours? Ah, mas italiana, non... Yeah. <laughs> Talk about hack jokes. I don't know how to not talk. I'm like, don't talk about your body hair, but it's like, (laughs) it's such a part of my life. Wait, before I go, I literally have 30 seconds. I would like to hear you say something to me in Italian. I just got so nervous. Matteo, fa un buona viaggio a Italia. Grazie. Uh, Mangia tutte le buone pasta. Lo faccio. uh, um, E ti amo. Ah, ti amo. Mi manchi, ti amo. Spero che ci vediamo presto, eh? Oh, you're going really fast. Spero, spero. Spero. I hope we see each other soon. That's what esatto, you said. Esatto, esatto. Bravo. Si. Bravo. Uh, well, if you're not, if you don't speak Italian and you're listening to this, you go buy yourself one of those tapes. <laughs> tapes. We said some nice stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matteo. I love you. Bye. Okay. I'm here with my sister, Elena. Uh, I'm literally with her live. She's a licensed therapist and she can't stop giggling. And this is just so weird to be in person doing this. I'm so used to being separate, but it's like, um, if you could see us now, if any of you have seen the SNL sweaty balls skit, I feel like we're the two women doing that thing because we're both just kind of like honing into the mic. But um, anyways, yeah, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird to see you in person. Um, so Matteo mentioned outgrowing your therapist, which I thought was a really interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, any thoughts on that? Is that a thing? Is that something you've experienced? Has anyone ever outgrown you? Yeah. How, what do you? How do you handle it? Yeah. No. It's uh, ironically just earlier this week I had a, a long-term client um, say. And, and I appreciate it, you know, very kindly, you know, I, I think I'm going to 
you know, try working with someone else. I mean, what the, it's funny because in the therapist world, like when I talk to colleagues about this, it almost feels like you're kind of going through a breakup because it kind of is like it's it yeah. really is. And um, but the thing is, is like I usually have a sense when somebody is because I will like, I don't know, it just kind of sometimes feels that way. Like, all right, we've been working together for a while. And it's like maybe sometimes it is nice to have a new fresh set of eyes and ears to get a different perspective on things. You know, I know it can, sometimes people think it's like a pain in the butt to start all over and share that whole story. But um, I've also had people start with someone new and they're like, Hey, do you mind if I sign a release and you can maybe kind of share some thoughts about your work with me or whatever? Um, Oh, I never thought that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I do have to say though, um, Personally, and I know a lot of my colleagues feel this way, I would, we prefer to work with someone for a few sessions on our own and get a sense and then maybe get like a little information, like maybe by the third or fourth visit of like, okay, what are your impressions of working with this client? I'm now working with them. And, you know, just to kind of like have a little bit of um, continuity of treatment. Mm, Okay. And do you also think that it's good to take a break from therapy? Yeah, I and um, what I'll frequently, I mean, this is typical is, you know, a person starts going usually weekly, then, um, you know, then you sort of start, start saying, okay, you know, can't be doing this <laughs> forever weekly, like, let's see how you're doing every two weeks, let's give that a try, let's, all right, let's see how you're doing, you know, and kind of like spread it out. But then I've also had people say, you know, I'm really struggling, let's kind of go back to every two weeks or every week. Um, so you kind of test it out and see how it goes. Did you know that Howard Stern goes four times a week? I did not. I knew he went a lot, but I did not know it was four times a week. Wow. Any thoughts on that? I wonder if he's doing more of like psychoanalytical therapy. Like that's different. That's the type, like when you think of Freud and someone laying on the couch, I don't know what kind of therapy he's getting, but usually psychoanalytical is the one where you go like a lot, (laughs) numerous times um, a week, possibly. Yeah, I would just, the times that I knew that I was outgrowing, I don't know if it was necessarily my therapist specifically, but was ready to take a break from therapy was when I was going in and being like, yeah, I was like, don't know what I, what to talk about. Like on my way here, like my biggest stress was like mm. what to talk about with the therapist. You know, I've actually found that those are the sessions that can sometimes be the most productive because you have a little more clarity Ooh. and you're not like congested with a lot of worry thoughts or negative thoughts. So sometimes when you're feeling good, that's actually one of the best times to go for a session because you're feeling a little lighter and a little clearer in your mind and you have that clarity to maybe take in something different. I haven't been in therapy. I did a couple of online sessions with my therapist during the pandemic, but she also just had a baby. So it ended up being more new mom conversation rather than like therapy. And then I was kind of like, why am I paying somebody to be my mom friend when I have mom (laughs) friends? So I'm not in therapy right now. And I'm curious, I'm curious if and when I'll go back. I'm a therapist and I'm in therapy. I feel like, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've weaned definitely, but I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that kind of like, keeps me in check. But yeah, you'll go back when you're ready. Yeah. Maybe I'll have my old therapist tell my new therapist her thoughts. Like a Yelp review. 
<laughs> this person's brain. Well, you probably want to have the new therapist work with you first. And yes. then maybe after a few sessions, be like, hey, can you, you know, how do you feel about following up with my previous therapist just to kind of, you know, get some insight? Something else Mateo said that I want to ask you about, and I don't know if you have any opinions on this, but it really struck me. So he was saying how when he told certain people, when he came out as being gay, a few people were like, oh yeah, we, we knew all along. Mm. And that actually upset him because he was sort of like, how dare you think you know me before I've learned it. And I never thought of it that way. Like I know yeah. that people were probably saying it to make him feel better. Right, right. But it is, and, and the equivalent I could think of in my own life is when someone's like, oh yeah, I always knew that guy was an asshole when you break up yeah, with someone. Yeah, right, right. And it is kind of an, and I don't know like what I'm really asking you, but I just thought that was, it really struck me in, in the conversation. It almost sounds like he felt like he wasn't in control of sharing that information. Like other people figured it out first. Yeah. You know, maybe he wanted to come out when he was ready. And the fact that people are like, well, I already knew, like, no, you know, even though, right, like you said, it was Yeah, like, meant, let me have this moment. Yes. Yeah. Like it almost feels like he was sort of like I'm sure it was such a buildup to come out like it took a lot of like all right I'm finally ready to do this and face you know just whatever and um and then when you're ready it's like kind of like not as like a deflated but you feel like oh what's the big deal like you know whatever no surprise yeah yeah I, it's that that hit me the heart I was like oh wow because like I mean I've probably said that to people about various things mm. you know like oh yeah, I knew all along you'd leave your job or like, I don't know, something stupid like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it, it's kind of like a fuck, fuck you. Like, yeah. Yeah. You think you know me better than me? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the, yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, Elena, it's not only is it so nice to have you here on the show, it's so nice to have you here in my home. Uh, our daughters are hanging out. You have yeah. teenage daughters. I have a, a baby. And um, yeah, I guess this is probably, this is, as, for anyone who listens to the podcast often, you can tell that this is when I don't know how to end. <laughs> and I just sort of meander. And I could probably talk about this stuff with my sister after I stop recording. Yeah. Oh, I can just say I'm happy to be here and look at palm trees every day that I'm here. And uh, this has been fun. I should uh, probably do the usual outro which is thanks for listening as always please rate review subscribe on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and i will talk to you next week